This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, The Jimmy Dore Show, Citizen Radio, This Week in Blackness, On the Media, Counterspin, The David Pakman Show, and The Media Matters Minute. And a note that even though this is an episode about a lot of people saying a lot of really stupid stuff about women, it's not actually a rerun. It just really seems like it. GOP looks for ways to stop the rape comments. We mentioned on this program the other day that Representative Phil Gingrey from Georgia was in front of a group of Republicans trying to explain Todd Aiken's rape comments as saying that, well, they weren't obviously totally legitimate. Not the rapes, the, the comments, uh, but I'm a doctor and I know that, uh, we tell pregnant women to go out, have a glass of wine, uh, or women who want to get pregnant, go out, have a glass of wine and, uh, relax. Uh, you tell them, I could see that. Yeah, well, that's we what doctors do. Them yeah, glass of wine yeah, yeah have a relax, let it happen. And, um, now, of course, uh, there was a couple of, uh, the American Congress of Tressions, uh, Obstetricians and gynecologists said adrenaline wouldn't have any impact on ovulation and said rape is never legitimate. Um, protesting uh, Gingrey's comments after having protested uh, Aiken's comments. But you've got now Republican strategist Kevin Madden who's saying this is actually pretty simple. If you're about to talk uh, about rape as anything other than a brutal and horrible crime, stop! He says to Republicans. Gingrey, of course, uh, didn't listen to that advice. And Politico reports that it may have added new urgency to a training program that's already being launched by an anti-abortion group, the Susan B. Anthony List, to keep candidates and lawmakers, specifically Republicans, from continually making the same kind of comments that have helped ruin Republican chances of the, uh, winning the Senate. In other words... Look, it's not so much that we have a problem with your deranged beliefs about rape and about conception. In fact, we probably share those. But you must not say this in public because it sounds like you're crazy to everyone else. Former Representative Mary Bono Mack questioned why Gingrey was talking about the months-old comment in the first place. She lost her re-election this fall. Some House Republicans don't. She said, some House Republicans don't understand the full range of emotions associated with the abortion debate. It was my belief when I was in Congress, and I tried to explain this to my colleagues. The abortion issue isn't just about abortion. It's so much more. It's about delving into what it means to women and what it means to Americans. See, this is where she's incorrect. Because, of course, the abortion debate is so much more for these uh, Republican representatives, and they know it. It is about controlling women's bodies. It is about controlling their sexual organs. They know this. They know that's the case. That's why they talk about rape. Because they are arguing that in some fashion or another... Women don't have the control over their uh, organs that they think they have. God does. And so uh, a woman doesn't get pregnant from rape, from legitimate rape. No, that can't happen. 
It is denying women over their own sovereignty, over their own bodies. That's what it's about. That's what she doesn't understand, what they understand. That's why they keep saying these things, no matter how much training they get, because it's their core belief on the way the world should be and is structured. She said that the uh, Susan B. Anthony list is working on a new training program for candidates and lawmakers to make sure that in future elections, a candidate can never say, can never with a straight face say, I never thought about that or got caught flat-footed. In other words, we're going to teach these people who hold these beliefs about women to say things in such a way that they cannot get um, stuck representing that belief in public. Well, good luck to you, uh, Susan B. Anthony List, in your mission to get the uh, Republicans that stop talking about rape in an offensive way. Okay, this week's Oh My God, we go right to the man himself, Pat Robertson, for all of those people who don't have a uh, an out-of-touch old person in your family who says very <laughs> awkward, sexist, racist things that are inappropriate and makes everyone uncomfortable. If you don't have that guy in your family, there's Pat Robertson, okay? <laughs> He's for everybody. And uh, so I'm just going to play it for you. you. know, they take questions, right? They take email questions, and he has a female uh, co-host to read them the questions. And uh, let's just enjoy. 17 years old, and I've noticed that there has been a change in my father's behavior. He spends too much time at the computer playing a war game. And I've noticed how alone my mom feels, and I just want my father to spend more time with my mom. What should I do, and how can I talk to my father? I kind of feel ashamed for him. Okay, let me just... Can I just jump ahead and let me let me just say this. Um, so what is wrong with a 17-year-old boy that he's paying so much attention to his parents' marital issues? In my day, parents were weird people who disliked each other. <laughs> and 17-year-olds were self-involved idiots, and it was all part of the miracle of life. <laughs> it's got more to say. Here, here comes Pat Robertson's advice. It may be your mom isn't as sweet as you think she is. She <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. Yes. It's like he knows her. It's like, yes. Oh, no. Yes. No. Yes. It gets better. Maybe kind of hard-nosed. And so he, he, he said, well, my, my father, he's not paying attention to mom, but his mom. Uh... Pat, how are you going to blame the mother? It's easy to blame watch. Just watch. Just watch. <laughs> Here it comes. Get ready. Even it's it's funny that even his female co-hosts now are like, come on! Wow. All right, here here we go. Well, you know, a woman came to a, a preacher that I know. It's so funny, and she was awful. It's not that funny. I mean, her oh, hair was all torn up, and she was overweight and looked terrible, clothes bad, and everything. And uh, she said, "Oh, Reverend, 
What can I do? Uh, my husband has started to drink. And the preacher looked at her and said, Madam, if I was married to you, I'd start to drink oh, too. Oh, my. <laughs> we need to cultivate. Okay, so you see the Bible teaches us that when a husband and wife aren't getting along, the wife is probably a cow. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Next question. Hey, even Jesus can't forgive a fat <laughs> Let's be honest. You can only forgive so much. Come on. Come on. Murderers, maybe. Yeah. You know, Mike. So in the garden, in the Garden of Eden, God gave uh, Adam a bag to put over Eve's head. <laughs> Not an attractive woman. <laughs> Original sin and a taboo. Oh boy! You know, my my question is, what is Pat Robertson's wife like? Right. I assume she's a nervous wreck that goes to the beauty parlor every day, <laughs> so she has somewhere to cry. <laughs> I'm assuming, you know, to give Pat uh, Robert to the benefit of the doubt, I'm sure that the hookers he's with are really attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Pat Robertson's wife is constantly doing thigh master level kegels <laughs> and flying off to the Southeast Asia to learn oriental secrets of pleasure. <laughs> and by the way, if you're a female member of Pat Robertson's audience and you aren't happy, maybe it's time you put two and two together, okay? Oh, and also, if you're a female member of Pat Robertson's audience, you're too broken for God to fix. <laughs> No, his view of women is all, like, formed by Fred Sanford. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure, and, you know, after a couple of years of marriage, men continue bringing their A game to the table every day, too. <laughs> For some reason, it never occurs to Pat that the husband, who is reverting to video games, might be a fat sack of boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and Pat doesn't look like he's ever turned out a steak. <laughs> oh, I bet he looks fantastic with a little candlelight and uh, in his boxers. Hey, I'm uh, I'm 82 years old, and my opinions on sex have hardened almost as much as my prostate. <laughs> this is the 700 Club, where it's sexual harassment when you don't laugh at my jokes. <laughs> All right, he's got a little bit. He's got a little bit more. Oh, to you're say. kidding me! Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There's more romance, darling, and it needs to be the men have got to be cultivating romance, and the women. You 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 always have to keep that spark of love alive. It just isn't something that just lie there. Well, I'm married to him, so he's got to take me slatternly looking. You've got to fix yourself up, look pretty, look alert. But <laughs> child said, "What do I do with my parents?" Get them out of the house. Get them off on a nice romantic weekend. Okay, next question. Okay. Comes with 58 years of marriage. I know what I'm talking about. All right, what's next? Yeah, it comes with 58 years of marriage. And, and my don't wife... sass me. <laughs> yeah, remember who signs your checks, honey. Next question. <laughs> it stay pretty, too. I've been married 58 years, and my wife still makes herself pretty for me, and I do my part by pretending she's somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the romantic mystery.
Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. Uh, this is from The Guardian. There was a is a very popular uh, science blog, um, or a, I'm sorry, a Facebook page called I Fucking Love Science. Oh, it is really good. When you said a really popular science and you paused, I was just going to start guessing. The biology? <laughs> Chemistry? I'm so mad at you. So it has like over 4 million fans. It's extremely popular. Every time I see something posted, it's hilarious too. So the creator... I'm going to like them. Um, ...decided that they were going to promote their Twitter feed on the Facebook page... And they posted, I got Twitter. I figured it's about time I start exploring other social media. If you're on there, can you tweet me some science people worth following? Um, so that thread proceeds to explode because uh, I guess on the Twitter account, you could see the creator's gender. And it turns out the creator of I Fucking Love Science is a woman. Oh, my God. Elise Andrew. Uh, she's an English blogger living in Canada. So people flip out. Some had, like, innocent comments like, holy shit, I didn't know you were a woman. But then there were other comments like, holy hell, you're a hottie. Oh. Um Lou Forbes said, you mean you're a girl and you're beautiful? Wow, I just like science a little bit more today. Oh, my God. And Elise, you know, I mean, there were a uh, hundred... I Actually, I don't know how many comments, but there were a shitload of comments. Um, and she finally commented, and she goes, every comment on that thread is about how shocking it is that I'm a woman. Is this really 2013? Nice. And it was... Really, it was awesome because, like, you know, it was nice that a woman is running the science uh, Facebook page and that she's, you know, so intelligent, articulate, and hilarious in running it. Um, but why is that surprising? Why wow. is that surprising? But here's the thing. Part of the reason that it's surprising is that women aren't encouraged to get into stuff like science and math. Um, and that's... A failure of our culture. You know, it, we shouldn't be surprised when women want to go into like mathematics or science in 2013. Um, and it's also a failure of the media, I would say, in some respects, because when they think, oh, we should bring on a scientist on this panel, I don't think it ever occurs to them, you know, outside of, outside of shows like Up With Chris, oh, let's try to get like a scientist of color. Let's try to right. get a woman scientist. Right. Let's, let's try to like show people that Science is bigger than, like, old white dudes. And then they go, ah, fuck it, let's just bring out a politician. Right. <laughs> Ralph Reed, what's Ralph, Ralph Reed. Reed doing? What's Ralph Reed doing? <laughs> oh, again, another fake tan. Aww. That's what he's doing.
so the the big news actually uh, late last week over the weekend was the Cubanville, Ohio rape trial came to a verdict, and they found the two uh, teenagers who were filmed um, abusing a young lady guilty. They were found guilty. They're going to jail. All right. That's, that's fair. They, 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 they did, in fact, rape that young lady, so then they are being punished as per uh, our justice system. Good. Well, it's not quite as simple as that. <laughs> you see, yes, they're going to jail, but the way that it was, it's been talked about in the news media is pretty troubling. CNN, for example, they're, I guess, sympathetic to the rapists. I don't, I don't know if uh, I would say that uh, they were actively uh, sympathetic uh, to the to the rapists. But what I will say, Dasha, is that whatever the hell happened there, I don't. I don't know what they were doing or what they thought was because I feel like I feel like it would be disingenuous for me to say that actively that they were uh, that they they were uh, being they were genuinely sympathetic to the ra- to the rapists. But I will say after watching that clip, I don't know what the hell uh, who, who the hell decided that, that was the proper framing for that particular story because mm. it was problematic as all get out. I believe we have that on the board, Aaron. Do we? I believe so. Give me one second. Well, no, yeah, let, 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 let's check that clip, sir. This is CNN breaking news. I'm Candy Crowley in Washington. Reliable Sources is just ahead, but first, a breaking story we're following. Two star high school football players in Steubenville, Ohio, have been found guilty of raping a West Virginia teenager. The story has attracted national attention. The judge just ruled a few moments ago. Listen in. In this case, um, you know, um, regarding the charges of rape, both defendants, Malik Richmond and Trenton Mays, are committed to the Department of Youth Services for a minimum period of one year, a maximum period till you're 21. Again, this case was played out in juvenile court. That is why there is a judge, no jury. He decided on the verdict as well as you heard there uh, talking about the sentence. We want to go now to CNN's Poppy Harlow. She is in Steubenville, has been covering this trial I cannot imagine, having just watched this on the feed coming in, uh, how emotional that must have been sitting in the courtroom. I've never experienced anything like it, Candy. Um, it was incredibly emotional, incredibly difficult even for an outsider like me to watch what happened as these two young men that had such promising futures, star football players, very good students, literally watched as as they believe their life fell apart one of- uh, I'm so, uh, what 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 i'm sorry yeah. i'm sorry what did, did, again i say did anyone stop for a moment and say how does it sound how is this going to sound this this uh, that, 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 this copy of like if they, if they were reading a teleprompter it's like who read that video no this is what we should say this is what we should say. We should like, man, it was emotional in that uh, courtroom. Forget the fact that there was a girl who was who was dragged around unconscious and uses a rape doll. Forget yeah. that part. Let's talk about the fact that these these dudes, man, they they, they believe were, they that their life is over. They're, they're promising lives. They're promising life. I mean, my God. I mean, this is this is an emotional time. And here's the thing about this. Dasha, which is why I said, like, I, 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 I'm a little bit worried, uh, nervous about, uh, how to, how it's being framed. But the fact is, uh, I understand that people might be a little bit, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, flipped, uh, freaked out by what's happening. Especially if these, because that, that, that's the thing. They kept talking about how good grades they got and all these other things that they were good. They were, uh, stars. So I can see how someone, especially someone close to the family would be, would, uh, would be like, my God, my child's life is basically changed. I understand that argument. I do not understand that argument being used as a news angle when you were covering the rape trial of a 16-year-old girl dragged from place to place. As the parent, as a friend of that, of those kids, yeah, I could say, oh man, my, my God, it, it's, it's, it's over the man. I really, I feel for the man. I mean, I don't understand what happened, uh, with, with so and so. I, I mean, like, that's, I mean, I, I, this is, this is bad, but not as, as a, as a town, as a school, as a news organization. The story is not that these kids are, aren't, aren't gonna be able to live, uh, awesome lives. The story is that they raped a 16 year old. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, and what, I mean, it, it was, it, I, I, I gotta push back. I gotta say that, yeah, it, it, they were, the, that CNN had a sympathetic tone towards those kids in a way that is incredibly troubling considering it didn't take into account the victim in all of this. Well, I'm, I'm, that, you, you say you say pushback. Uh, like, I, that's, I, I'm not saying that uh, that they didn't, didn't, it didn't have some sort of uh, tone to it. I'm 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 saying yes. I believe there was a tone to that. I, I'm not saying that like like I don't I don't believe when they were putting it together they were like f that rape uh, f the girl who got raped blah blah blah. But I do believe they ju- they chose a horribly horribly bad framing of this particular story for their news. But the but the product of it is f that girl who got raped. Now you can, okay, you can make that argument. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to fight with you about I mean, that. Regardless if, and it's, and the, and I think the thing, the, the point that's actually particularly, uh, that, that's worth looking at is the fact that it's so easy to, for, it was so easy for CNN to take that, that role. I don't think if, if they just were like, if they didn't mean it intentionally, if they didn't mean to, to be like F that girl, if that was just sort of the easiest way to go about doing this, then what does that say? about society at large, that the easiest way to go about reporting this thing is to have sympathy for those boys and not for the girl. See, I, I'm not even sure that they chose the easiest way of, of reporting it. I believe that this was just, this was a bad choice. That's, I don't know if it was the easiest, but they probably were looking for some angle. Like, hold on, let's, let's, I think there's more to this. Of one of the young men, Malik Richmond, when that sentence came down, he collapsed. He collapsed in the arms of his attorney, Walter Madison. He said to him, my life is over. No one is going to want me now. Very serious crime here. Both found guilty of raping this 16-year-old girl at a series of parties back in August. Alcohol-fueled parties. Alcohol, a huge part in this. But Trent Mays was also found guilty on a second count, and that is of felony. See right there. Like my question is like, why? Why? Why are you, why are you yelling? Alcohol, a huge part. Huge part. It was alcohol. It's like, uh huh. Yeah. But is is that? Is that cool? Is that, does that make it, does that make it more okay because there was so much alcohol in it? So we really should be more sympathetic to the rapist? Is that what you're saying? Right. This is terribly framed. This yeah. Is ter- like, 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 uh, please no, like, I, I, I'm all about what, all, all the beef that, uh, that, that CNN has caught. No, no, I agree with that. That it is, they, they deserve it. I just don't, I just don't genuinely believe they thought when they came on there that this is, let, let, let's be problematic. But holy cheese not. on a cracker, they stepped in all sorts of stuff and the framing on it. I, I watched the clip and I'm just like, but why would you, why do you think that was wise? Why yeah. did you think that this is the way to tell this story? And there were too many people, too many people had their eyes on this for all of a sudden there would be no one to say this is, this is not the best course yeah, of not, action. Not one human being looked at the, looked at the copy on that and was like, uh, like, cause like, my, by, by the way, you know the story that I thought of when I heard the trial, uh, the thing came out? The first thing that came to my head 
is a year or two years enough for uh, basically uh, uh, raping an mm-hmm. unconscious girl, dragging her around party to party? That's I was I wondering. Thought. I didn't think that was. I I thought that was a, the problem, and I was wondering, like, if I was that girl, if I was the girl who got raped, or the family of that, would I think justice was served simply by one year or two years of these kids' lives? I mean, because yes, they might not be be able to uh to go uh to college next year, but at the same time, uh, like one year or two years, they can come back out, especially in that town. They might be able to uh, the, uh, a town that's sympathetic. They might be able to find jobs uh as uh as different things, maybe work at the school or, or something like nope, that. Like there's they can't various work at things. School. Huh? Nope, they can't work at school. They can't. They officially. It's officially that's. They will be, oh. Well, no, they'll be sex offenders for the rest of their lives. Oh wow! They'll be registered sex offenders. And that and that won't go away. That won't go away because like they're still minors at the moment, and so that won't uh, that won't go away when they're twenty one. Because even I don't believe so. I believe they have to register with the registry, and the registry doesn't take into account underage, overage. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I, I want, I would like, I want that, uh, checked on because I'm not, I'm not sure ab- about that. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that school would hire them, but I feel as if, like, they can find, they can still make lives for themselves fairly, fairly easily after the next, uh, two to three years. It might not be the more awesome lives that they thought they were going to have, but that's not, that is, I, I would argue that doesn't outrank what's happening here. And so, in my mind, I hear that, that's the story I hear. But for some, somehow, somehow the CNN producers or the segment producer for this heard that and was like, the tragedy that is around these children. That's, I mean, my God, they collapsed. It was, it was emotional. It's emotional for them. And I, I, I'm like, well, ah. In fairness, nobody said, nobody's, nobody's approached the story from this angle. That's some new CNN stuff. I mean, CNN's having some troubles with direction anyway. So okay. this is just, I feel like this is just the peak of them having a little bit of trouble with what they want to tell us on the news. They have no idea what they want to tell us at all. So it's now finally came to a head. So maybe there'll be some changes after we all come down on them. I don't. Do, do you believe that CNN's been uh, CNN's been failing? But they've for never. But they've never now. been. They've never been like. Well, what about these rapists, though? Sorry, guys. Well, because that's not the story. The story, and, and it's and uh, I guess uh, to Dasha's point, uh, the idea here is that uh, they the the story is not about these rapists. It's about these poor kids who right. are going uh, yes. who, who whose lives are. It's not yeah. about. Rapist uh, who took advantage of a sixteen-year-old girl. Oh, it wouldn't you have to then couch that in a larger story about teenage misconduct than to then just pick these two kids and be like these poor, poor kids. I mean, but like, hey, like, well, maybe the story gets better. Legal use of a minor and nudity-oriented material because he took a photograph of the victim laying naked on the floor that night. Trent Mays will serve two years in a juvenile detention facility. Someone explain something to me. Uh, raping the girl gets you one year. But taking a picture of her gets you the same amount of time. What? I, I I keep saying I don't I don't think that we as a country have made peace with exactly how terrible rape actually is. I was like, oh and well, that, like, you, 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 and that in and of itself, I think, is part of the the. It's not a rationale. I think it's just a. I honestly think that for CNN, it's just like this is this is the most appropriate way to talk about this because it's. No, because there was no one there to problematize it, that means that there is a vast amount of all kinds of privilege in regards to sexual violence and gender violence, rape, 
in in the CNN copy room that allowed that to make it to air. Do you think there's a possibility that uh, that possibly that it just this is one of those things where it was a weekend, uh, it what they didn't have their full staff, and so it only maybe had one eyes one eye on it, and then the next person didn't really look at it uh, for content. They just were making sure that the facts were right, and then just went from there. And that this was just a, a massive this was a massive fail, uh, just because it wasn't really looked at as opposed to a massive massive just ignoring of the privilege that was involved? Do you think there's a, there's a possibility of that? I don't know. I'm literally just throwing this out there. Well, I think, I mean, the thing with privilege is that you can't, ign- it's not that you, that someone ig- ignored the privilege. If you've got it, that means that you just ignore the fact that it's important to get it right. You ignore the, the significance of getting the story right about rape. It's not, it's not, it's not important enough to make sure that, that the angle is, is, is depicted accurately. That to understand that, that we, you know, for, for someone to let that go, that means that there's no understanding that we have a problem with rape culture in this country. None whatsoever. And so because of that, it's like, oh, we just sort of, you know, put the story together, the facts are right, and, you know, and, and maybe the reporter in sitting in the room, I'm sure, like watching teenage boys cry in a room is not easy, but you have to think about what it is that those boys did. And just because they have good grades doesn't mean, I mean, that doesn't, that, that should not somehow ex- create a, a sort of a, a vacuum of violence. It's not like, you know, well, they were good kids except for this one little thing that they did and there was alcohol involved. So really so it's much a tragedy. Alcohol. So much alcohol. So much alcohol. Which by the way, there was a, someone, um, someone tweeted at the, uh, tweeted at me actually a Tumblr of all of the responses from the internet about oh, the I verdict. Was, so uh, we've got what was it? What was the name of that? Uh, from privilege or something? It was a uh, public shaming. Publicshaming.tumblr.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, listen. And yeah. so what they did was they they compiled the tweets and uh, some Reddit comments, which I actually am not surprised by that if you've ever been in Reddit before. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm throwing shade at Reddit big time. Yeah. Um, they've got a problem with gender and, uh, Facebook and I mean, just people talk all kinds of slut shaming. Um, I feel sorry. So sorry for those 16 year old boys found guilty in Steubenville. Um, they just got a guilty verdict for the Steubenville case, which is fucked up. Um, and, and also talking about the girl and talking about the fact that, that like she was drunk, she was asking for it. Oh my God. I, I can't, I can't hold on. Let's there, there's more. Uh, to this mountain. I'm just waiting to, like, I'm like, uh, like, you, you keep thinking that they're gonna, they're gonna fix this. It's gonna become better as, as, as the story goes on. Uh, Malik Richmond will serve one year on that one count that he was found guilty for, but I wanna let our viewers listen because for the first time in this entire trial, we have now heard from the two young men. Trent Mays stood up apologizing to the victim's family in court after him, Malik Richmond. Listen. I would truly like to apologize to Atlanta, our family, my family, and the community. No picture should have been sent around, but it only be taken. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm sorry, wait. Did he apologize for the picture and yes. not the raping? Mm-hmm. I- <clears throat> Anything you'd like to say? I would like to apologize to you people. I had no intention to do anything like that. I'm sorry to put you guys through this. I'm sorry. 
You know what? Uh, you you probably feel really really sorry when um you realize that your raping w- is going to make your life uh, a little bit harder now. Yeah, you might you might you might break out into some tears. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that uh that it's that that, that uh the dude might not be uh, not be feeling something, but you know who else felt something? The girl that got dragged around and raped on a regular basis. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I don't, so I don't know what the law is in in Ohio, but I know at least in the state of California that once you're on the sex offender registry list, you're on it for life, regardless of when you did it, because it's about the who the offense was against and not the offender themselves. And so he would be a uh, they would be uh, registered sex offenders against a minor and also circulating uh, material uh, of a minor. Where should I begin? The only thing I thought of was the end. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. We begin this hour with a verdict in the Steubenville sexual assault case. Just about an hour ago, a judge in the Ohio Steel Town delivered the verdict. Last Sunday saw a guilty verdict in the case of two high school football stars, Malik Richmond and Trent Mays, who were accused of raping a 16-year-old girl in Steubenville, Ohio. For six hours, the severely intoxicated victim was dragged from party to party by a number of her peers. A humiliating journey photographed and joked about by the accused and others on sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The case became a national media event when these posts on social media were later used against the accused in court. This is CNN's Poppy Harlow. This tweet from a partygoer reads, Song of the Night is definitely Rape Me by Nirvana. Other tweets call the girl sloppy and talk about a dead body, referring to the girl's state of unconsciousness. But once the verdict came in, the media quickly became part of the story. First, there was outrage over the live-on-the-scene coverage of the verdict from CNN's Harlow again for dwelling on the misfortune for the convicted rapists. As these two young men that had such promising futures, star football players, very good students, literally watched as as they believe their life fell apart one of one of the young men Malik Richmond when that sentence came down he collapsed he collapsed in the arms of his attorney Walter Madison he said to him my life is over no one is going to want me now by the next day MSNBC Fox News and CNN 
had all inadvertently broadcast the name of the teenage victim, contrary to journalistic standards of anonymity for both children and rape victims. And social media quickly became part of the story again after the verdict, when sympathy for the rapists echoed around the Twitter sphere, including threats against the victim. Here's Headline News Network's Kira Phillips. Listen to these tweets. You ripped my family apart. You made my cousin cry. So when I see you bleep, it's going to be a homicide. And here's one more. I'll celebrate by beating the expletive out of Jane Doe. For all the horror and emotion engendered by Steubenville, the episode created an opportunity for reflection about the culture of impunity for athletes, the culture of casual misogyny among youth, and the overall society's persistent ambivalence about sexual violence. Some commentators wondered this week whether Steubenville is a crossroads or a blip. Amanda Marcotte, who writes for Slate's Double X Factor blog, acknowledges the signals are mixed, but sees a reason for hope. Absolutely. I mean, I'm seeing more discussion than I ever have before in the mainstream media about the cultural context in which rape happens. A lot more people are talking about what happened, not as a few bad apples making bad choices, so much as talking about the culture of male entitlement, athletics, the sort of societal support for rapists over their victims and victim blaming that allows rape to continue. And this is going on in a way that I've never quite seen before. Also, I'm beginning to see a lot more people talking about rape as an act of humiliation and an act of dominance and the traditional discussion where many people assume that rape is a matter of a man just having too much sexual desire and acting out that way. I'm not really seeing that as much a part of this discussion as it usually is. How do you reconcile that with the reaction in Steubenville itself over the course of the investigation and the prosecution, where much of the community rallied around these young men who were accused of these crimes, and a kind of virtual Steubenville online, which evinced similar sympathy for the boys and a lot of blame on the teenage victim of this prolonged a night of rape and humiliation. With Steubenville, it's not unsurprising. I think the closer people are to the crime, often the more tendency there is to blame the victim and exonerate the rapist. And the reason is pretty simple. We don't want to believe that our community creates rapists, our direct community. So when we discover, when we have evidence presented in front of us that it's the way our culture is, and in this case, the way that Steubenville is with the teenage entitlement, the football worship, the sort of giving these young men a blank check to do whatever they want. Steubenville has been confronted with evidence that this kind of behavior creates rape, and that is something that is very difficult to believe, that is very difficult to understand. And so the natural reaction for a lot of people is to just deny it and blame the victim for speaking out instead of blame the rapist and to blame themselves for letting this happen. Cognitive dissonance, in other words. Yes. Now, I want to bring up the CNN coverage. You've seen the tape in which correspondent Poppy Harlow and anchor Candy Crawley have a conversation which is astonishingly sympathetic of the young men who have been convicted and their plight and whether their lives have been ruined and so on, just a jaw-dropping episode. 
Do you think this undermines your best hopes for where the culture is, or is just cable TV being cable reporting on what it's seeing at the moment in the moment? You know, I honestly don't think Candy Crowley and Poppy Harlow meant to do that. I think it was in large part just because that was exactly what was happening right now. And it is hard watching a couple teenage boys cry like that. And they lost themselves for a moment. And I think the reason that they did is because that our culture has not really completely absorbed the message that rape is a horrific crime in every single instance, that it becomes easy to start sliding over into sympathizing with the rapists in this situation. That said, what happened after the CNN report was there was this complete outpouring of anger at them for this and for not mentioning the victim. A number of media outlets criticized them for it. There's a change.org petition against them for it. So I think there was so much anger and overwhelming criticism of the CNN segment that I do kind of feel like people are really, truly beginning to get it. Amanda, thank you very much. No, thank you. Amanda Marcotte writes for Slate's Double X Factor blog. Don't go, stay with the all unknown. Stay away from the hugs, all the chances we took. We're so close to something better left unknown. We're so close to something better. A rape trial in the Ohio town of Steubenville has received national media attention over the past few months, in part because much of the evidence had been shared on social media sites like Twitter, and because many in the town seemed to rally around the two young men accused of committing the crime. As shocking as that might be, many viewers were equally shocked by the way CNN covered the March 17th announcement of the guilty verdicts for Trent Mays and Malik Richmond. Anchor Candy Crowley and correspondent Poppy Harlow seemed primarily concerned with the feelings of the two convicted rapists. Here's Poppy Harlow. It was incredibly emotional, incredibly difficult even for an outsider like me to watch what happened as these two young men that had such promising futures, star football players, very good students, literally watched as, as they believed their life fell apart. Moments later, Crowley spoke about the emotion of seeing 16-year-old football players sobbing in court. And she asked a CNN legal expert what the lasting effect of all of this would be for the rapists. The analyst stressed the difficulty for the two in being labeled as sex offenders. The emphasis on the pain and difficulties that will be suffered by the perpetrators of a horrible crime crossed a line for many viewers, and thousands have signed petitions to CNN. But the network was not the only outlet to exercise bizarre judgment. ABC reporter Elizabeth Vargas interviewed one of the accused rapists and asked him, what were the most hurtful things people were saying about you? The Steubenville crime may yet spark some honest conversation about rape in U.S. culture, but it seems unlikely to take place in mainstream media.
fashion over an overture and do I need a bus to be deemed this job job don't 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 let's start this is the worst part could believe for all the world that you're my precious little girl but don't 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 let's start I've been getting a lot of requests to talk about media coverage of the Steubenville rape case and this is the case in which two high school football players were found guilty of raping a 16-year-old girl. This was a controversial trial in Steubenville, Ohio. The verdict was handed down on Sunday. Uh, let's first just get a little bit of video of the verdict, and then we'll talk about the media coverage, which I've been really thinking about for a while because I didn't want to jump the gun on an analysis in either direction on the media coverage before I had a chance to review more video, which I've now done. Let's first look at the reading of the, the decision on the verdict from the judge. In this case, um, you know, um, regarding the charges of rape, both defendants, Malik Richmond and Trenton Mays, are committed to the Department of Youth Services for a minimum period of one year a maximum period till you're 21. Okay, so there was the uh, reading of the verdict. So the controversy started around the media coverage of this event. And what were the complaints? There was basically one theme around the media coverage, which was all mainstream media outlets that covered this did not really take seriously the consequences to the victim and were just focused on how sad it was that the defendants were now going to miss out on potentially playing football really well, so on and so forth. The other complaint, and we'll get into all of these, is that CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC aired the name of the rape victim. And that is true. They, they aired a, a bit of video where um, one of the, uh, the guilty individuals said in an apology the name of the victim, and that was aired. And we're not going to, even though we we could also repeat that name and in, 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 you know repeat what was said, we're not going to do that. Just suffice it to say that all three networks did that, Lewis. Right. So let's talk about the um, let's talk about the allegations that news channels were focusing on the effect that this would have on the rapists. In other words, the the sadness of them now having to spend one and two years, respectively, in this juvenile detention facility, as opposed to talking about the victim. At the center of this is the following clip from CNN's Candy Crowley. Take a look. I've never experienced anything like it. Candy. Um, it was incredibly emotional, incredibly difficult even for an outsider like me to watch what happened as these two young men that had such promising futures, star football players, very good students, literally watched as, as they believed their life fell apart. One of, one of the young men, Malik Richmond, when that sentence came down, he collapsed. He collapsed in the arms of his attorney, Walter Madison. He said to him, my life is over. No one is going to want me now. Very serious crime here. Okay, so I'll stop it there. This clip goes on for close to six minutes, and I watched the entire thing twice. And the, the focus is, as the allegation states, on the effect on the victims. Other allegations, that NBC News lamented the rapists' promising football careers, that ABC News made excuses for the rapist, and that USA Today focused on the victim being drunk. Now, initially, my reaction was, you know what? Why are we focusing on that? Because these are the perpetrators, and they will now be punished, and the victim is not really being discussed here. But then I said, you know what? I'm going to look for more information before I really kind of hand down what I think is my, uh, my, my opinion on this. And I found video on CNN of the lawyer of the victim 
the lawyer of the victim speaking, and the lawyer of the victim in the case expressed the same type of sympathy that did the uh, a lot of the news networks. So let's take a look at that video if we can. Uh, let's see if we can get that started, Lewis. Here we go. Significant. It was a very emotionally packed moment that occurred in that courtroom where watching this young boy suffer uh, once he realized uh, what what the punishment and what had happened at that point, it was hard to watch anybody suffer a human being like that. And I think everybody in that courtroom was significantly moved. And it was those emotions that moved everybody there. Uh, not that that was right or acceptable or forgiving at that point, but to see the pain that he had caused himself and others. All right, that's it good. Was, uh, so let's, let's talk about that. Because as you see here, the, the attorney for the victim in this case, talking about the pain that was apparent on the faces of the perpetrators and how difficult a moment it was. So then I started thinking, well, maybe we have to look at this a little bit differently. Broadly speaking, in this country, we do have a problem with the blame the victim mentality when it comes to rape. That being said, it's okay, it has to be okay to talk about the the detrimental effect that this has on everybody involved. And I don't know that it was as outrageous as some are saying the way this was handled. Now, that being said, Lewis, when we see CNN focus on the sad nature of uh, what happens to the rapists, it does raise red flags. It does. Okay, you know what? If when that verdict was called, there was this incredibly sad aura in the in the courtroom, that's fine to talk about that. But listening to what that woman was talking to Candy Crowley about, she said when the kid collapsed into the arms of his attorney, he said, no one's going to want me anymore. Let's be okay, clear. Okay, that's pretty yeah. selfish, okay? D yes. He's crying because his future is messed up. Right. I don't really think he cares about the future of the victim, which could be uh, way more messed up. All perfectly fair points. So I think the bottom line on this is that we really need to focus here on the victim, and we also need to focus on why are the rapes happening. Nobody should be indicating that this was a case where if the girl was drunk, that all of a sudden that changes the situation, that it makes rape okay. And I agree with absolutely every single one of those things. And I agree that the coverage was not focused properly. I am just not at the same level of outrage that some people are. Natan, what do you think? Uh, I just think that uh, the sort of focus on the defendants, uh, if there's any logic to it, it has to do with the fact that they're minors. And uh, if these kids were over 18, maybe you wouldn't have seen the same level of coverage of this type. I mean, no obviously, question. the the sadness of it from their point of view, from the media's point of view, comes not only from the reaction they had in the courtroom, but the idea that, you know, which is true, which is that, you know, maybe they were doing things that, they thought were okay. Now we can debate. I disagree why completely. We can debate. Yeah, I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying, just based on that reaction. But what I'm saying is, uh, I'm not defending them in any way. Yeah. In fact, I think that the coverage was off. So in that sense, I disagree with both of you. But what I am saying is that the fact that they're minors does add a level of tragedy from the defendant's point of view, in the sense that this is really a city and region issue with small towns that have the good old boy mentality. And that is as much to blame for this as those kids on an individual level. No question about it. And really, what we, I, I think the only thing we can really say in the end is the coverage was not good. 
the way that it was perceived is a direct result of that coverage. So if, if CNN is going to be criticized, they absolutely deserve it. And they should have been aware that this was going to be the, the reaction because it is not an unfair reaction in any way. Let's just also consider that even the attorney for the victim felt some of the same feelings that were expressed on CNN. And that being said, we have such a problem with the mentality around rape in this country that it is, that it is truly sickening. I think the coverage was was terrible. I think they completely dropped the ball. I feel no sympathy for two guys who raped a girl, and I think uh, their sentences should be way stricter. Way I agree. Harsher. I don't think the sentences are strict enough. Uh, yeah. But now they could be up until age 21. Uh, I really doubt that's going to happen. It probably will not happen. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Laura Keeter. Rush Limbaugh used lyrics from a song recently released by Beyonce to suggest that women eventually come to understand that they should submit to their husbands. She's going to call herself Mrs. Carter on the Bow Down Bitches Tour. And and, and that song, that, that that's the title of the single that's fronting the tour. And the advice is to these women, go ahead and put up with it. Put up with it now. Bow down, be uh, itches. Because why? She got married. She married the rich guy. She now understands. He now understands it's worth it to bow down. And after coming under attack for his comments. I don't hate women, but the news is out that, of course, I'm back into my misogynist. Right, right, whatever it is. <laughs> Limbo's pro-submission tirade is just the latest in a long history of sexist statements on air. In fact, the CEO of Cumulus Media recently suggested that Limbo's vicious attacks on Sandra Fluke more than a year ago are still negatively affecting his radio business. Feminism! Ba 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 sad buzzkill. Oh, My day's ruined. All I want to do is be able to rape and not let you get an abortion. <laughs> and here come the feminists. Oh, you're mad again. What a surprise. All right. What are you mad about now? Okay. So, feministing, you guys, which is an awesome website, <laughs> um, posted this really funny um oh i didn't get to read it but i was hoping you'd talk about this so it's eight edgy post-feminist pitches for the traffic hungry editor oh my god uh i i don't think this is too insider i was gonna ask i don't know is it too wonky okay well basically there's a phenomenon that if you want to drum up a lot of traffic and write like a pseudo feminist piece, the, the the angle is that you end up attacking feminism. Yeah. So it's like, all right. So I know you're a feminist writer, right? Here's what I want you to do. Uh, I will give you uh, a book deal. Uh, what you have to do is just like, I don't know, like since feminism, since we're not, I just like sleep with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> Like, starting with me. You know what I mean? Like, it's always, like, makes them... Yeah. And so here are some examples. The feminist zoologist. I've met three different feminist zoologists. Ergo, huge swaths of the 20 and 30-somethings who were once rad and used free menstrual sponges distributed by their college women's centers are now stampeding to zoology jobs. This phenomenon can only be explained by women's natural biological connection with super cute animal babies. Uh, Two, the end of Ken. Everyone wants Barbie, but someone keeps pulling off Ken's head. 
Based on the toy consumption patterns and playtime game narratives of these adorable Korean triplets who live in my building, I conclude that female domination has been achieved and men's rights activists are really onto something. <laughs> As a result, I call for the rollback, rollback of progressive institutions like education for girls. Nice. Uh, three, sometimes women are raped. You, oh wait, I'm sorry. Sometimes women are raped? You misogynist. So this one time, I wasn't raped. Therefore, fictional television characters weren't either. And if you think they were, you hate women. Four, sleep with him. As this weird... <laughs> 80s themed dance my freshman year some guy tried to convince me to go home with him but i refused in retrospect maybe we were soulmates oh my god <laughs> direct- i feel like i've read that one before. i've read all of these five having it all how feminism failed me this is a huge one uh for 6,500 words, I will lament my inability to simultaneously write for feministing, commute to work, call my grandparents, buy paper towels, find good vegan feta, work out, listen to my friends' okay Cupid stories, find a new apartment, understand the recent one train delays, clean out my inbox, untangle my very complex feelings about Beyonce, and finish both The Plague and House of Cards. And I mean literally at exactly the same time, like right now. Uh, this one we've talked about before on the show. No one puts baby in the briefcase. Oh, my God. It's the one where they have the photos of the sad babies who have been abandoned by their working mother. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. So um, I'll link to it. The whole list is hilarious, especially if you're a feminist writer, especially if you've had to try to get like tried to get work published. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, and of course, the last one is why abortion should actually be illegal. <laughs> Which is a great way to get published if you're a woman. Their editors like cream themselves if they can get a woman to write about. I was just gonna say that they're like slate pitches, you know. Right. Um. There was one in uh that I just read that Amanda Marcotte posted in Vice, uh, which seems like a very dude-centric place, but it was written by a woman, and I think it's in Sweden. A bunch of feminists uh, were complaining because they wanted to bring awareness to, like, the way dudes are on, like, public transportation. Like, not with harassment, but, like, you know when you go on a subway and there's just, like, like a guy's, like, they're just guys, like, sprawled across, like, three seats and right, shit like that. Right. It's just, like, a dick thing. Yeah. Um, and it's always guys. Uh, or teenagers of both sexes. But if you're an adult, it's it's a dude. Just, like... Bag on one seat, doesn't care. There's like a pregnant woman standing somewhere and he's just, you know, whatever. So the whole piece is like, it starts off by being like, is this what feminism's come to? Like, now you're gonna, you know, complain about guys slouching on the train. And then it sort of just turns into like using that as a conduit to bash feminism. In general. Yes. Uh, it's so funny that feminism gets the brunt of that though because it's like whatever can't we just agree that we should be like decent to each other and not assholes right and if a feminist happens to be the first one to point that out why does it just have to be a feminist thing? right yeah well that's what amanda said where it's just like uh, how about the we we think about also like the girl being inconvenienced instead of like defending the guy who's just being like a dick I don't like, should this go to court? Yeah, no. But I don't it's like, know why don't be it becomes dick. like the civil rights violation of the year anytime a straight white man is told not to be an asshole. Like suddenly they're like, no, I can't do anything. And it's like, no, idiot, just move your briefcase. Right. Or, yeah, just don't talk about fucking women in the middle of a conference in front of a bunch of women. Oh, so now I can't say anything. Uh, all I want to do is put my feet up on this girl's face and talk about fucking other women. But I honestly think it, it comes from having... You know, 
centuries and centuries of unchallenged authority. Do whatever you want. Where right. suddenly society is finally pushing back and the patriarchy is like, what? No. Hold, uh-uh. hold on. Wait. For so long, I was allowed to do whatever the fuck I wanted, and now you're saying I can't? I can't. Wait, wait, wait. So now I can't have sex with people against their will. Is that what you're saying uh, to me? Oh, uh, what are you going to tell me next? I can't come on a baby's face in a public park? Oh, the public park, right. Well, my taxes go for them, big government. Wait, wait, hold on. Are you saying that I don't get three goats and a plot of land anymore if I marry you? So you Is that say, what you're saying? Are you saying if I'm a stand-up comic on TV, I can't tell like a joke because it uses the word rape 500 times and it's just me describing a girl I raped? Or Is that what you're saying? Hold on. Nobody told me I was going to have to be a decent human being. Wait, I can't even drink an extra large soda? <laughs> I don't know. Poor straight white guy. Poor straight white guy. Every day he wakes up and he's like, what? What? Rape? (laughs) It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So do you have any uh, last minute Fuck men. Fuck the patriarchy. That's my last minute. That should be our new uh, hook for Citizen Radio. Welcome to Citizen Radio. Fuck Fuck the the patriarchy. Hi, Jay. This is Dirk. And um, just to give your listeners some background, I run a blog called What I Remembered. And uh, over the summer, a friend of mine who also runs another blog received a, a comment from one of her readers accusing her of you know, being racist against white people. And uh, they made the point that racism is like a two-way street and it goes both ways. So reading this, I thought up this, this metaphor. It goes like this. Racism is not a two-way street. It's more like a two-story outhouse where only white people get access to the top floor. So if you're taking a shit and a person of color starts yelling at you from somewhere below, that's not reverse racism. It's a natural response to getting shit on. If you want to do something about it, start by taking a look at how the outhouse was built and ask yourself why it was built that way. If you're uncomfortable with people complaining about your shit, Stop for a minute and think about all your shit and where it goes and who it affects. Now, we've been shitting downstairs for centuries, and now we're looking down our toilets at the rest of the world yelling, oh, don't you dare point your finger at me. We've got our bathroom clean up here, and yours is covered in shit. If you want a clean bathroom, clean up your own shit. And meanwhile, we just keep shitting on the rest of the world from the top floor and complain about the smell coming from downstairs. So if uh, any of your listeners want to actually find this blog post, it's pretty easy. It's just whatiremembered.com slash outhouse. Thanks, and I hope you all have a great day. Hey, Jay, it's Wade. Yeah, I uh, listened to the last podcast on the Iraq war, and I got to admit, you know, I didn't even realize the anniversary was coming up. Uh, it kind of took me by surprise, made me do some deep thinking. It was a very difficult show for me to listen to because, um, well, a little uh, history on myself. I joined the Marine Corps on April 8, 2002, which was also my 18th birthday, which was spent Marine Corps boot camp. And I joined the Marine Corps because, 
you know, I remember sitting in senior English class watching TV as the towers fell and and the rage I felt at that, and that bloodlust and that the absolute just just pure rage. And so I joined and I wanted to go to Afghanistan and fight. And uh you know, I did all my training and I took leave and I came back from leave and next thing I know my staff sergeant's telling me, Hey, we're going to Iraq and I said what, what the hell are we going to Iraq for? I, don't, I mean, I didn't even know precisely where Iraq was, you know. And Well, let me say we, we go over to Iraq, and I, I don't really think about what about the war that often. That's why, like I said, it was such a hard show for me to listen to. Uh, I just really have just put it out of my mind. I think that's one of my unique uh, abilities. Uh, I just have the ability to shut, to turn the page on my life and just really hardly ever look back, and but that show really made me, you know, look back, and I just, I just think that, you know, you got, you know, who I am, you know, I'm, I'm a conservative, and but I'll say it that the, the war was useless, pointless, needless. I don't feel proud of of serving over there, you know. I don't feel there's no source of pride in me. There's no, I really feel like, you know, we all owe the, you know, the Iraqis in the world and ourselves. An apology, you know, but you know what's that? What's just this is a word, you know. All the people over there that that I interacted with, the ones that I've you know fought, some of the ones I killed, you know. I'm sorry. It was useless. It was pointless, and it makes me think that you know I've I've really been dodging a lot of this. And and when I listened to a guy like uh, Thomas Young, you know, which was featured on the show. You know, I've seen the documentary and I know his story, you know. My war ended in 2006, you know. I got out of the Marine Corps and I just left. And uh, his never ended, you know. But he'll leave this earth and he'll cross over with his honor and his dignity intact, you know. Never stop fighting for what was right versus a guy like myself who just doesn't even really think about it. But uh, I know this message is kind of rambling. I really couldn't put my thoughts together on it. Just kind of wanted to call in and express I don't know just express the, the view that I, I too believe the war was pointless and useless and uh, one of the blackest marks in American history and uh, if I really think about it it makes you almost want to tear up because it's so useless man what a waste of humanity and resources and money and <laughs> a waste of time what a step back so and now, like I said I fought there you know Three tours. But, uh, you know, a friend of mine asked me, we went to war in North Korea, would I sign back up? Would I re-enlist? And I told him no. And I said, uh, there's no way I would ever fight in the U.S. military again. Because knowing my, what they did to me in the past, we would say we're going to war with Korea and I, my ass would end up in Iran or something, you know? So, my days of fighting for the United States of America on a battlefield, they're over. And, uh, Unless an enemy ever crosses into my country, I'll never pick up a weapon and march off to war again. And uh, I'll only fight to defend my house, my land, my people. I'll never again go over there and fight in another pointless, useless war. And, and in truth, they're all pointless and useless, you know? So, anyway, I'm sorry to ramble, Jay. I really am. I'm, I'm just wanted to say it so uh have a good one man
Jay, this is Dave from Olympia, Washington. I wanted to call in today kind of in support of Wade, or at least Wade's continued presence in the community. I listen to uh, some of my media is stuff. I, I explicitly seek it out because I know I disagree with it, but I feel like I need to I need to hear it and kind of see that perspective. And it's maddening. It's really, really hard even just to sit down and take the half hour and, and listen to these podcasts because I know it's going to make me mad. I know I'm going to disagree with it. I'm going to want to argue back with my phone, which I'm not, you know, isn't as productive as it sounds. But Wade continues to listen, and he continues to call in. And um, I disagree with him, but I totally respect him for that. Um, it's been a bit of a best-of-the-left uh, catch-up marathon this weekend for me. So um, I've heard a lot of uh, back and forth of the community talking about Wade, uh, at least the, the, the call-in community. It just struck me that, uh, you know, the guy is, is here. He's part of us. He listens. He contributes. And, uh, you know, we owe him uh, a great deal of respect. Uh, and he's, uh, he's one of us. So, anyhow, my thoughts, thought I'd share them. As always, keep up the good work, Jay. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So I just wanted to uh, thank Wade for his thoughtful comments on, on the Iraq War. Uh, it was really appreciated that he called in, I, and, and so I can just echo uh, Dave from Olympia, Washington, who just happened to call in and, and leave a message about Wade recently as well. You know, because, I mean, Wade's a conservative guy. He calls in. We rarely agree on, on the subjects at hand, but as they said, you know, it, it really adds value to the conversation and especially on a topic like the Iraq War with the comments that Wade left that uh, got played today. It was really appreciated to hear that perspective. Um, secondly, I just want to mention that although the last episode I played was a, was primarily a rerun uh, due to the fact that it was a moving day for me, so I just uh, couldn't, couldn't muster uh, the, the time to put together a, a brand new show but uh, although the content of the show was a rerun the voicemail section and the comment section of, of mine at the end were not a rerun so if you missed that because you thought the whole thing was a rerun and you skipped over it uh, if you're interested the the voicemails are all relating to the conversation that's been going on in the show about the catholic church and the sex abuse uh, scandals and, and how how you know Catholics are then related to it, and and what does that mean? And and then I, my comments are basically my final thoughts on the complicated nature of what it means, and and I think it. I, I was happy with the conclusion I came to. I mean, I the conversation kind of took me step by step through my own thought process, and I laid those out and put that in the last episode. So if you missed those um, and are interested, then just go back to the uh, previous episode and check that out. Um, but that is going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks especially to those who actually support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations. That is absolutely how the program survives. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Bye, bye,
Take you out.